1: Welcome to Buckeye Talk and another Market Down Monday. And this is the Market Down Monday that we've been waiting for for several weeks. We've had this on the docket. We've been talking about delving into this topic. We've been kind of trying to pump the brakes, wait as long as we could here at Cleveland.com, the Buckeye Talk podcast, until we had maybe a better sense of things. And I don't know that that's really happened, but we're going to attack this topic anyway. Uh, How many regular season games Will Ohio State football play in 2020? Doug Lamaurice, Steven Means, I'm Nathan Baird. For you two guys, how often does this topic come up in your conversations with people? With someone, if you're if you meet someone new or someone who knows that you already cover Ohio State football, you cover college football, how much of a topic do you feel like this is something people want to know about, need to know about, because they're trying to plan their fandom, plan their lives for the next five, six months?
2: I don't talk to people i don't leave my house still so i have no answer to that you don't
1: you don't get an email or a text or a or whatever i don't know like a, I, a myspace message i assume you're still on MySpace.
2: So, so yeah oh yeah with my aol address my aol email address uh i um so i have a story that i'm finishing that'll be up on monday morning i talked to phil Steele, uh on Friday, I guess, about the idea of like spending your whole life previewing a season that may or may not be here, right? So um, I think anticipation and predictions and thinking about what will be is such an important part of being a sports fan. I think in some ways it's it's thinking about what's going to happen is almost as interesting as watching what does happen, that the all the months that you spend predicting whether Ohio State's going to make the playoff or not is Justin Fields going to win the Heisman, all those things. It's so great. It's so fun. And so like, we haven't lost any of that yet because no one said that anything's canceled. So we are, and we're like even more into it. And I think we've done a good job here on Buckeye talk of like leaning into that. So I think we've created a fantasy world, which is what I've wanted us to do. And now this feels like homework. And we need to do our homework at some point, but I don't feel like I've talked about this very much with people because, A, no one still really knows the answer, and, B, it's not a very fun topic. It's like the real world infringing on your fantasy of, is Wyatt Davis going to be an All-American again? How good is Josh Proctor going to be? Garrett Wilson in the slot, oh, my God. That's much more fun than... Are they going to play or how many games are they going to play? Or is it going to get screwed up in the middle or what's going to have to change? So I'm almost like not looking forward to this. And I don't know if people think maybe this won't be very fun compared to other Buckeye talks, but yet I feel like we have to do it. Like we, everyone has to do their homework with us. So I hope people stick and listen to this. But to me, I haven't heard a ton of conversation about it. Like out among football fans, a lot of reporters are writing about it. But I don't think fans are obsessed with it because the topic stinks because it's homework. So, Steven, I don't know what you think.
0: Yeah, no, every single person I ever talked to about this is the first thing they ever asked me is if there's going to be a football season. Literally, it's the only thing people are – I guess in my circle of people, the that's all they really care about right now is whether or not there's going to be a season because they kind of figure if there's a season, Ohio State's going to be one of the best teams in the country.
2: What do you tell them? Do they expect an answer from you because you're a professional journalist?
0: They do, and it's like no one has an answer to this yet. So it's it's genuinely I gen, I don't know I don't know. it's it's still up in the air at this point. I can I tell them what's already been reported and that you know what Gene has said about it in terms of what he thinks the amount of fans could be out there, but I don't tell them anything that the rest of the world doesn't already know. What? Uh, so did you hear, talk-
1: by the way, did you hear how he snick, snuck a mid twenties in there on us? Like just to remind us. I mean, I'm not
0: hanging out with 40-year-olds, so. I'll you call us, you, you talk do, to us more than
1: you talk to anybody. Like I said, all week.
0: You, okay, that's fair. You two are the only, you two are the most I've spent with people 20 plus years older than me outside of my parents. I'll say
2: that. We, you're missing out, man. You really got to expand. 40-year-olds? Are you kidding me? We know how to get it done. You need to expand your social circle. What? You talk to people though, Steven? Are you having like interactions and like talking to other, other human beings?
0: Yeah, like group chats and stuff. Really? I mean, wow. What's that like? You know, it's it's almost normal. It's like the only thing you're not allowed to do is be within six feet of people, but everything else you're allowed to do, Doug, you I can a, socialize with people outside the people you live with.
2: I don't I don't understand that concept. I need a group chat. Does anybody want oh wait, we have tech subscribers. That's what my group chat is. I <laughs> yeah. to God. Will <laughs> you, you pay to be in my group chat, please? I, I
1: think I'm probably somewhere in between the two of you as far as my interactions. We, um, we've we gone out of town a couple times to see our immediate family, stayed with my fiance's parents, stayed with my parents one weekend. Um, and I've done a couple of things. Like I finally went and got a haircut because um, if not, people would have turned off the Zoom call immediately, I think that we had last week. Um, and just uh, some things like that. So I'm not going out a lot. I'm not socializing. I'm not, I haven't gone back to my regular routine, even with masks and stuff like that. But when I have gone out, like I remember the woman who cut my hair asked me, Hey, is there, are they going to play football this year? And like, I do feel like it's out there as a, as a topic among people. And I think it might be, it is kind of urgent, I think, in the community because I think people it's so entwined here that I think people have seen enough, there's enough pessimism out there that I think people do worry, and I saw it in some of the answers that we got. I mean, it's it's either people saying, "Well, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's this," or, "Boy, I, I hope I I hope it's this, but I'm worried that it's not gonna be." Like th- there really is trepidation as to whether or not football, college football will happen this fall, which is something that people have never had to confront in their lives. I mean, if you grew up in Columbus, if you grew up a, a, an Ohio state football fan or a Cleveland Browns football fan, there's never been a time in your life, unless I suppose you were like around for Pearl Harbor. Like there's never been a time actually that happened in December. So never mind. Like there's never really been a time where you had to wonder, like, is there going to be football this fall? It's just such a constant. It's such a, it's just in the blood of this community and the blood of this state. And I think, it's going to, I'm I, going, thinking about this exercise and like coming up with my number and my rationale, whatever. And, and look at reading the other answers though. It like, it makes you confront this, like how bleak it could be if there is no football. And you're right, Doug. I think that's, this wasn't, we didn't get a big response to this question because I think it's one that a, a, it's kind of political now and people maybe just are tired of it. But I think it's also one that people don't necessarily want to confront. We haven't had a market down Monday where the the outcome is, has this much at stake. Like we talk, you know, Oh, when, who will be the quarterback the next time Ohio state wins a national championship? Well, even if you say, I don't know, cause it's going to be in uh, 2032, you're still saying Ohio state's going to win a national championship. It's like, there's a good part of it. There's potentially a, a, a the downside here is huge.
2: And you mentioned, I mean, I, I wish it wasn't political and we're not going to make this discussion political cause it's not political. Cause like, whether there's a football season or not, it's not a political issue. It's just a societal health issue. So like, you know, this is all our speculation on the facts uh, where they stand right now. But the facts include the idea that there are many states where cases are going up right now. The facts include the idea that multiple, multiple, multiple programs around the country have had players in football and in other sports test positive uh, for COVID-19 since they came back for voluntary workouts. So there just are some facts on the ground here that. Um, The interesting part of this is it feels like it's changed kind of drastically in a month because I think the numbers across the country and society have changed in a month. So I think a month ago, a lot more people would have said like, yeah, full 12-game season. And I'm imagining a lot of people right now are feeling less confident about that.
1: We got a wide range of answers, went really from the whole spectrum.
2: Can I interrupt real quick, by the way? We're recording this on Sunday evening Yes. at 8.30. We normally record Market Down Monday on Friday, but it's such a fast-moving story that we didn't want to record on Friday and then have news come out about new cases on Saturday. It would have changed our opinion. So this is like the hottest, freshest. This podcast is going to be up like 10 hours after we record it. So this is the latest, latest, latest of where things stand. Correct. And I I wrote something
1: for cleveland.com on Friday. Um, I spent a bulk of the week trying to track down epidemiologists. I got one that would talk on the record that that I thought gave some really good information. Um, Guy from Case Western University, a professor there, a a doctor. Um, And I spoke to. Chris Crowdeville, the uh, doctor from Nebraska, who is the head of the Big Ten's task force for emerging infectious diseases which um, there, there's an Ohio State representative. Each each school has one representative on that. So we had at least those two perspectives in a piece that I wrote for the site. And it, it, that one focused more on um, the te- here are the test results that are coming in. What do you think those mean? And also, how is this whole testing thing going to work and the repercussions of it as the season goes? I'm not going to rehash the whole article here tonight, but... Um, you had a, a professor who was uh, very pessimistic about football happening this fall, a football fan, uh, someone who, who, who loves football. He is a Michigan grad, so uh, you can take that for what it is when um, he apologized for that. But but a, a guy who's looking forward to having football in the fall has a grandson who plays high school football in the Cleveland area, like a big football guy. And he says he doesn't think college football is going to happen this fall um, because it's just spreading too much in society. And it won't get a chance. And then on uh, the Chris Cradaville side of things, you have someone who has a different perspective because he's more involved with policy. He's not really, I think, his concern with the task force is not these, these small developments that are happening here. It's more about crafting the policies that teams are going to use to hopefully have a season. Here's what you do when you get a positive test. Here's the best way to handle that to contain the situation, to treat the individual as well, and to then go on and have a football season. That's really what they're working about. So I don't know if that helped you guys have any perspective, uh, what I wrote or what you've been reading here in the last couple of weeks. But as you said, the, the cases have been kind of growing. That's what's the, the, the pessimism and optimism have kind of swayed. You had at the start of June, players are coming back, a big peak of optimism. And then the last couple of weeks, I would say a big wave of pessimism. Stephen, how have you kind of – I guess, read that. You said you were talking to people. Are you getting that same kind of sense? Do people seem more skeptical that that football will happen this fall because of the way things are going here just the last couple
0: weeks? It's a little bit of both. It's the fact that, yes, they're back on campus, which is a good sign because they wouldn't be here if they didn't think they could have some type of bubble or some type of safety net in in place for these players. But at the same time, there's a, well, of course, some of these players are testing positive. As Doug has said, this isn't a college football issue. This is a you know just a national human issue at this point. So to think that all these players who have been all over the country are going to go come back to a campus and get tested, and absolutely none of them are going to test positive, especially when you're talking about up to you know 115 football players when you count walk-ons as well. Yeah, the, there's not a surprise that some of these people are te- are testing positive. It's the fa- I think the the optimism is the fact that when you talk about the ages of who is actually you know, kind of more at risk than other people. And people who are in their mid-20s and you know, the age of a college football player, have when they're asymptomatic, it's less of an issue than it is for somebody who's 65 and who catches a disease. And so that's part of – some people are talking themselves into the, the idea of if they're asymptomatic,
2: it's not necessarily as big of an issue. So I just I – this is not to – I'm just going to say it. Uh, a lot of this stuff is mumbo-jumbo, and I hate it. Yeah. Which is why I want this podcast to be how many games are they going to play? Because so much of the other stuff, my head already hurts 10 minutes into this podcast to some degree. And some of the scientists don't want to speak in, in absolutes, and they speak in the idea that, of course, this could change every time we get new information. And you have to understand that. And I think if you get stuck on the idea that, like, well, they said this a month ago, and now they're saying this, that's called learning. But when we talk about it, I want—that's why we're talking about games because how many test positive? How are they going to do tests? What are they going to do? Whatever, whatever, like whatever. That's sort of like that's the inside baseball stuff. Are they going to play or not? And I think that's why that's like the, the that's the the hard question that is what we asked. And in the end, from a sports perspective is what matters because you can go down a road to nowhere on some of this other stuff. And so we will go down some of those roads still in this podcast. Cause you have to go down a little bit. We just can't go too far down those roads. We have to stay on the, how many games are going to be played because otherwise everybody listening to this is going to fall asleep.
1: And I want to make sure that I mentioned too, uh, again, not to go down a road of stuff, but we talked about, or I mentioned, kind of the wave of pessimism recently when you've had results from like, you know, Clemson's up to what, 37, I think, positive tests. I think just with the football team at this point, you've had positive tests at at Kansas state, Boise state, Houston, that have, have stopped those voluntary workouts. At the same time, we also Indiana tested 187 student athletes when they came back for workouts and say that they had zero positives, uh, which was kind of astonishing to me. Um, You've had some other programs where there's been one or two. We haven't heard of any. You know, Ohio State's been tight-lipped, but we haven't heard of any from the Ohio State athletic community to this point. So it, it hasn't all been bad news, but there's been enough bad news out there with some high-priority programs that that's what's, I think, led to some of the pessimism. So I, I want to change up the, the format a little bit for Market Now Monday. We're going to go to the reader response first. We'll go to our texter responses first. Uh, 614-350-3315. Uh, that's how you can participate in everything from this podcast to getting our uh, news alerts and our, our our breaking news and our analysis as it happens to participating in the Zoom call that we did last week. I hope you all were able to either participate in that or go back and watch it if you're a tech subscriber. If not, uh, jump on board two week free trial three nine nine after that. We got like I said, we didn't get a huge response, but as you might expect, the responses kind of look like an inverse bell curve. Um, an upside down bell curve, like the, the it's it's a poll. It, your pol- people are kind of polarized. There's a lot at one end, um, a little bit less at the other end, and really kind of nothing in the middle. If you guys had to guess, what do you think was the most single popular answer from our tech subscribers as to how many games will be played? None, Steven. Um, eight, the single most popular answer was 12. The, sing, the, the single um, most popular answer was that we will play an entire college football season. Now I'm going to read some of these answers uh, from the 250, I think it's 12 games. I think they'll do and say all the right things, but money is too important not to play them. Pro soccer is already playing in Europe. We'll have a regular season here in the fall from the two one six. This is Joseph in Atlanta. Twelve. Players want to play. Schools desperately need to play for finances. It'll happen. Sports are going to mirror society and we're already seeing everything open back up. Which is, which is true, but we're also seeing consequences potentially from the opening up. That's me adding that at the end, obviously. Um, from the 315, 12 games, but they will all be in conference. Give the schools more certainty as the conference can ensure all the programs are operating on the same page in terms of safety protocols, travel, et cetera. Much more importantly in their eyes, though, will be the opportunity for increased revenue opportunities. Take Buffalo versus Ohio State game and make it Ohio State versus Minnesota. You drastically increase their viewership and into the conference and school coffers. That's kind of getting into a a separate topic, which I'm sure we will touch on. But are you surprised that there is still that much optimism at this point? That was those 12, the the responses that equaled uh, a little under 33%. So a third of the people who responded to this feel that there's still going to be a full regular season of college football games. Does that surprise you?
2: It surprises me a little bit because of the news in the last week in the country has been kind of bad, um, mostly in the South and Southwest, obviously, and that there's just been – the stories of the positive tests have gotten such run, and that's been out there so much. Oh, this school had this many positive tests. This school had this many positive tests. I thought that might have seeped in to people's thinking – a little bit more that, again, it feels like things are, sw- they're on the back and forth of pessimism and optimism, it certainly has swung towards optimism, both in college football and around the country in the past week. And I thought that might have been the overwhelming influence, but I don't disagree that 12 is a reasonable answer, because I think at the moment it's swung too far on the pessimism pendulum. So I think perhaps these the people who, if you put some thought into it and it's not, willful head in the sand. Of course, everything's fine. That really can't be your answer. If it's this is what's happening now, they'll get it figured out. There's plenty of time. September is two months away. That's why they're working out now to sort of let this be a dry run a little bit. They're going to get, you know, they're going to learn some things and they'll apply those lessons. Then I think 12 is a, is a reasonable answer. So I, I don't disagree with anybody who said 12.
0: I understand you know, with college sports and pro, you can't, it's two different levels of sports, but I do feel like as a sports fan, there are people who are seeing the MLB and the M- NBA try it out and see how it goes. And obviously college football, football is a different level, but seeing how that goes and that's providing a little bit of optimism is, you know, okay, we're seeing this and maybe it can lead down to the road that by the time we do get to late August, September, things will be back to a point where we can do college football and NFL football
1: multiple people who said that they believe they'll play 12 games multiple of the people who responded here or at least the ones I set aside but i think there were others that had this same sentiment money was an issue they said that the money is simply too important to playing football games that they'll find a way to play those football games we didn't ask in addition to this question how many fans will be in the stands for these games but that obviously is one option is you would still play games even if things are getting really bad you'd find a way to i guess Quarantine the team, sequester the team, teams, plural, play the games, do the testing, etc., etc., and play it without fans if you absolutely had to, to still be able to generate revenue from other sources, media rights, those sorts of things. Did did finances factor into the old answer you guys ultimately gave as in terms of teams just won't be schools, athletic programs, conferences won't be able to completely will that, that they'll have to play these games because it's too important to their bottom line.
2: It factors into everything. It factors into every moment of every decision about college football. So I didn't factor it in because it's ingrained. Like I didn't think to myself, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to adjust my number of games because they need the money. It's like, to me, it's like I don't factor in the idea that there is air and that COVID-19 is transmitted through the air. And it's like, well, what if you took the air away and we lived on the moon and everybody wore a space helmet? It's like, how would that affect? It's like, well, you can't take the air away. There is air. So whatever you think about the transmission of COVID-19, there's air. Whatever you think about college football decisions, money rules everything. So I didn't take it into special account because it's always there. And so- if, if they didn't make, honestly, it's an amateur sport that is tied to our higher education system. If they didn't make any money off college football, and if colleges didn't make any money off of students taking classes, and it was all a nonprofit educational system that nobody made any money from, it would already be canceled. It would be no sports and it would be online classes for the fall. That would have already been decided. So the idea of like extra consideration for money is like, no, I didn't give it any extra consideration because it is the consideration for everything.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: (laughs) Well said. Um, I think the other big obstacle to playing a full 12 game season is travel. Uh, The epidemiologist epidemiologist that I talked to last week said, you know, gave any number of reasons why even, you know, a plane is worse, but a bus is also bad, even if you split it up over two or three buses, having a team go, which obviously wouldn't be even an option for an Ohio State, Oregon type thing. So I think that's the thing that and some of our textures mentioned that as being a reason why they weren't going to pick 12 games. And while 12 was the single highest answer, single most popular answer, I would really say that the, the votes broke down into three categories. It was all the whole season. That was one. And then you had another answer of a number less than 12, but still a pretty substantial answer that essentially was based on only playing conference games. And that ranged from 8 to 11. The second most popular answers, second and third, were 9 and 10. There were about, uh, about 40% of the, of the group picked one of those two answers. And they based it on they're just going to play conference games, or maybe they'll play the 9 and 1 non-conference game. So maybe like a situation like Ohio State Bowling Green, where you could put Bowling Green on th- three buses or whatever and bring them over. And you wouldn't have to worry about flying, and it would be a, more, a safer travel environment that maybe a game like that would get played. Um, the idea of just the, the conference only, that's, that's been out there for a while. That's been out there almost since the very beginning of this. Why does that, I guess, why, why do you think that makes sense or doesn't make sense in terms of a solution to this problem?
2: Because the, d- the disease is a geographic disease. Yeah. And so just the geography itself I like the like even like the Big 12 is in a little bit of a different situation, just like West Virginia and um, TCU were kind of far apart. They're in different parts of the country. And as much as the Big Ten's expanded um, again, the hotspots right now are the South and Southwest. And there's no Big Ten teams in the South and Southwest. If Texas was in the Big Ten right now, this would be a, a different consideration because Texas is going crazy right now with coronavirus. Um, I just think the simple geography is part of it. And then that you know each other, that you trust each other, that you have the same set of rules, that you have a responsibility to each other that goes beyond a single game. Um, it, you know, it's the difference between friends and family, right? That you might have friends that you trust, but man, if you're really locking it down and it's blood and it's the people that you, it's your blood. Like that's what conference stuff is. So I just think in situations like this, there can be a great big difference between friends and family, and so I think that's a separate consideration beyond just geography.
1: I'm going to go into some of the answers that people gave, and, and Stephen, will come back to your thoughts on this, but um, somebody who, who answered eight from the 513, as a season ticket holder, I'm extremely optimistic. It's not even July yet. However, I think schools are going to have an enormous challenge in the fall with the regular student population and potential outbreaks then that's the other thing, I'm, me interjecting myself here, that's the other thing that we're not really even talking about yet is we're talking about these, these results as they come in within the programs, within these voluntary workouts, now bring back 30,000, 40,000, however many students at one time and, 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 and have them kind of just unleashed on the campus. And what does that do to testing, to results, to all that stuff? That's obviously something that's very urgent in this conversation. But back to the answer. Um, several college presidents and eighties have spoken to all students, have spoken to the fact that all students need to be back for sports to be back. I can't imagine big 10 schools with their large enrollments, not having outbreaks in dorms, dining halls, et cetera, despite efforts to combat it. And if you have to suspend school for the general students, does that then close down the athletic department? School and state reactions have been so varied that I find it hard to see a full season being played without interruption. There is still time for this to evolve, but put me down for eight games and an interrupted season. So that's one of the other options, obviously, is you start things off and then it gets interrupted. That was a more popular answer at the other end of the spectrum. We'll get to that in a second.
2: Um, And yes, I, I do think that's true. I think if somehow like you start an academic calendar and then you end up like shutting down classes. Yes, I think that means you shut down sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
1: and Gene Smith had has said that he backed away from it a little bit, but that sentiment is still out there. That if you are asking, if if you if you are telling a quote unquote regular student that it's not safe for them to be on campus, you can't in good conscience also say to a football player they should be on campus. That was kind of the the gist that a, a simplified way of looking at what he was saying.
2: And now I the, think the issue is that the safest way to keep players from getting it is to have them be the only people on campus, but yeah. they would never do that. To your point, Nathan, they right. would never do the thing that is actually that's, the best way to guarantee that the players don't get it. Right. Because you, that's just, that's what it opens, pro it, teams it, are doing.
1: Exactly. It would open up a, for lack of a better term, a legislative can of worms that I don't think that would have repercussions that they feel in the long run are probably worse than almost not having a football season this season. I because I think it I think it changes it would be the final strike that changed the way that we look at college athletes forever.
2: You can't it, call them student athletes when all the other students have sent home. They're exactly. now players and they're now workers. If and by everybody the way, else is gone.
1: I bet there is a majority, if not a huge majority of college football players in the moment who would say that they would or and, and all college athletes maybe. But especially, I think, among football players who would say, no, we're, we want to stay. We'll do what we have to do. They've already said that. You know, Josh Myers and White Davis said it to us a few weeks ago. They'll do what, kind of whatever it takes to get a season played. But I just – I don't think There's they would not get a to that un- point.
0: There's not a union in place that can, you know, protect that because obviously they're going to say that.
1: Right. It's just I, I think they're not even thinking of it in that terms. but. no. That, that, that is, as, as Doug and I were alluding, that, that is obviously the, the stumbling block there. Um, some, some answers for nine conference games. Uh, nine conference games, one conference title game, no bowls or national title. There's just no way to be safe at this point with that many required bodies and considering how poorly people reopening how poorly reopening is going at other schools, Clemson, Boise, etc. I don't see Gene Smith wanting to put the team at risk when they're doing an admiral job to make the best of a bad situation. It sucks, but I think that's the most likely option. Uh, from the 317, I'll say only the nine conference regular season games plus postseason, but I have little confidence in even that. My question is, where will the NCAA and universities draw the line in terms of COVID regulations? And he starts talking about, uh, this this person, I should say, he starts talking about um, testing players in a 14-day quarantine and the, the kind of domino effect that that sets off. Like, do you also have to quarantine the team you played previously And and that's a real concern. That's that's, that's obviously sets up a a potential mess. Um, He this this responder, just as much as the the scientist I talked to last week, is more optimistic in an NFL season than a college season. Because you're talking about a smaller group of teams and you're talking about a more containable situation and, and a more uniform policy that you can place across the league, which you can't really do throughout college football in the same way. Um, From the 409, I'm going to say nine because money usually wins out in any argument. So I would say nine conference games without fans, and there'll be a conference championship plus the 14 playoff, no other bowl games. Um, And from the 541, I guess my answer is nine. My heart is still hoping that they delay the football season until spring and things will progress enough by then to allow a full season in front of full stadiums. My head is saying there's no way to get the whole country to agree to one still uncertain thing like that and the Big Ten will agree to a reduced conference-only schedule, while the SEC plays all 12 games, and the Pac-12 might not play any at all. And I, I thought that, too, as I was coming up with this. I, I held myself to how many regular season games will Ohio State play. I think that answer is going to – you couldn't ask that question, really, across all of FCS college fo- or FBS college football. I think it would be – I think that number might be different depending on the conference. I mean, I, a team like Hawaii, for instance, where – I think I assume they have to either fly or be flown to for literally everything to do. Obviously, they do. Um, yeah, there's so, no uh, boats to Hawaii yeah, for college so, football teams. There are boats boat. to Hawaii, but they would take too long to get there. You would have to. They'd have to like meet in the middle and play the game on an airplane. They, they rent a
0: they rent a cruise and they just practice all week <laughs> out on their way there.
1: Right. Uh. So, but but okay, but like that's so. I mean, you're going to be looking at teams like that that probably just if, if you're talking about a reduced schedule. You may be talking about no schedule for a team like that, whereas a team in the MAC that can comfortably, not comfortably, but relatively comfortably drive to just about every game, right? Um, except if you're on the very edge, maybe like Buffalo would have a tougher time with it, but like a lot of teams would be able to pull that off. So it may, be, it may be different as you go conference to conference.
2: Now, the thing, I mean, the thing we have to keep in mind with that is that nobody cares about Hawaii football. Right, right. So – so good luck. Enjoy your palm trees. Stay on your island where I think like things, I don't know. The last I, I checked, like Corona. They're pretty, safe out, yeah. they're pretty safe out there. They don't want to come here. Yeah. Like they, don't, they don't want <laughs> well, anybody like Stanford to be like, had, hey, we're coming. And they'd be like, no, you're not.
0: I feel like all they needed to do was shut down their airports and they're fine.
1: Well, as it's probably, well, as has been mentioned on this podcast before, I'm getting married in a couple of weeks. Our original intention was to leave two days after that fly from Columbus to Maui and spend like the better part of two weeks in Maui. We're not doing that. And the main reason we're not doing that isn't even necessarily because we don't want to travel there. It's because I, I don't even know if this is actually still a policy, but up until very recently it was anybody going into Hawaii, you got to go sit in your hotel room for like two weeks. Like you can't, you have to quarantine as soon as you arrive. So once we saw that was happening, we decided to just back away. We'll do it some other time next year or whatever. But I mean, that's, you're right. I mean, Hawaii, Hawaii is doing a pretty good job of trying to keep this off of its borders, but it's, that's not going to be the same luxury that you have, I think, within the States where you're going to start having, again, if you're playing non-conference games, it's going to be a lot of crossover. There's a big gap between Ohio and Oregon or even Ohio and Buffalo and, and, doing that sort of transportation and, what happens from point A and point B and and what happens in between if you turn out to have someone who tested positive, it makes it a very complicated situation. Agree. Mm -hmm. We are going to take a break here and then we're going to come back after the break. We're going to talk about the other end of the spectrum of the answers we got. And then we're going to give our predictions for how many games Ohio State will play in 2020. Stay tuned on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. We had about 20% of the texture responses that broke down to either there will be no season or they'll try to have a season and then they'll stop and it'll be canceled and there won't be a season after that. The the most popular of those answers was zero. We had about 12% of the group said zero games in 2020. Um, one thing I, I should throw in here, we did I did mention, I did write it as how many games in 2020 specifically, because that precludes what something one of the other texters are just saying that there could be a season in the spring. That's a topic we can get into in a second, but that wasn't really the answer I think we were talking about for this. Yeah, Uh, we
2: Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, who who's one of the best national college football writers out there, um, had a story about that last week. The idea of his spring, it seems to me like he seems to think that's a smart idea. He said that was an idea that was building in college football. And again, I think from the, the money perspective, there might be some people who say, well, we'd rather push it to the spring and have a longer season than try to do it in the fall and have it be shortened or have it be, you start it and then you can't finish it. Uh, I almost feel like that's a separate podcast. Yeah, and we've had a,
1: discussion actually on this podcast before.
2: And uh, it's like I think a, it
1: was to a rapid fire question maybe. but
2: That we could have like, In October, when there's no football, (laughs) we could talk about whether they'll play in the spring. I think it would be hard. I don't think it's impossible. Money is air factors into that. But I certainly think fall, everything they can do for the fall is option number one. And if and when that is off the table, that's when I think they go to spring. But I'm not sure we can do that justice in the middle of this podcast.
1: No, I think it's a more complicated topic because you then you start like I brought this up the first time we talked about it was, well, if you do a season in the spring, does I mean, you're still doing a full season in the fall. I think the, it, it, there's, there's a whole bunch of areas to go with that. And I think it's fascinating potentially, but I think it gets really complicated away from what we're trying to talk about here. Um, so a couple of people I, I thought had interesting thoughts on this um, from the 813. I think one game I see the season starting a schedule, but getting canceled after week one due to positive tests of athletes and fans at stadiums. Um, from the 216, two and one will not be Oregon and two might be generous. Season will be shut down either by players or school looking out for players. That's an interesting thought that maybe after a couple weeks, if the tests are piling up, if the, if the, if the schools don't take their own action, the conferences, the NCA at large, do the players step up and have some kind of action? And I, I don't know how I read that right now because you're at a, you're, we're at a moment of great, uh, player, Um, where where the players have more power than they've ever had before and more voice than they've ever had before, but they really, really want to play football and there are repercussions if they don't play football for their careers, for other things. So uh, I don't know how exactly that would play out. And one more from the two, one six. No, it will not be played out completely. The big 10 will have a different model. The season will start, but will end after two weeks. Did you guys have any sort of thoughts about that as you were coming up with your answer that it, it, you we're, we're saying here's what we think will happen this fall. Are we saying are we are we in effect saying that's what we think they'll try to do this fall? And then things could fall apart after that, too. Or did you bake that into the answer you gave?
2: Now, I mean, our answer should be what it's market down Monday. There's no right. try. There is no try on market yeah. down Monday. There is a correct answer. There Doug will is be a the correct- Yoda
1: of this of this podcast.
2: I'm the Yoda of everything. That's right. So I'm mostly in age. I'm the I'm Yoda. Yoda of
0: everything.
2: <laughs> Steven is Luke Skywalker, and Nathan is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think we're all we a little just bit figured out.
1: We're, we're all a little bit Yoda, right? Because you've got, like, Yoda's age, and I've got Yoda's, like, um, nerdishness and way of speaking in a way. And then Steven has Yoda's height.
2: I knew you were going there. That's a short joke just waiting there for Nathan to dunk on Steven, but still no, listen, Steven, <laughs> Steven, <laughs> okay. you're Luke Skywalker. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm 800, right? How old is Yoda? Yoda's like a thousand. Uh, Adam Jardy would know. How old is Yoda? And then Obi-Wan Kenobi is old, like in human years. Plus he has a beard. And then there's young, there's young Skywalker, which is Steven. But like, Nathan, you're only old in human years. I'm old for like lizard years so that i think that's and that's the relationship of how this podcast works so um i can't remember what you're we saying Yoda? He's, but a, he's a lizard yep y- whatever he is i mean okay. i don't know i watched I mean, the mandalorian he's a baby lizard uh young skywalker what were you gonna say i don't i can't remember what we were talking about
0: I don't even remember at this point. All right, we'll go back to obi Can, yeah, can we, can we, something, no, something, we were talking about market Down Monday and how we, there's no try or anything. You need oh, to right. A, a answer, which is true, yes. That is the whole point of this, this pod. So no, that didn't weigh into my mind of you know, what they're going to try to do. No, I, I have an answer and
2: that's what I'm going to stick to. And you know, your video, answer, so. I, I think it's smart. I didn't really think of giving an answer that was, It. That my answer is three because after three weeks, everybody goes, this, yeah. we can't do it. But I think that's a smart answer. I think that's a, the the texters who have said that. I think it's a smart way to look at it.
0: I think it's an interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. But yeah, uh, well, this is kind of getting to my answer a little. Not really, but I think it. I what we've already talked about with these aren't pros, and so they're going to do everything they can to keep it from being that. I think if there is a situation where, if it even feels like three weeks from now this is going to get shut down, they might not even go down that road.
2: But I also think there's what you think before something happens. And then there's a, something new starts and then True. your thinking changes. So what people thought before the voluntary workout started has now that we have voluntary workouts and we have positive tests that has changed people's thinking True. until they play games and they're, they're mixing not just the people on your own team, but now you're having close physical contact with an opposite team. And until you then test after that first game, that first week of games, you don't have all the information. So that could be a moment where they do a week, they get the information back, the tests are through the roof, and that's it. Or they get the information back, there are some positives, they try week two, there are some more positives, they try week three, there are some more positives, and they say that's it. But that, whatever it is, once they play games, that will be new information, and we don't know what that information is going to be.
1: And that one, two, three answer—I think all of those are on the table. If you're talking about a full 12-game season that's attempted, or an eight or nine-game season that's attempted, it, that that could—it's the same. The same scenario could play out for either one of those things. Let's let's do the roundtable. Let's get our answers in here now. We've we've heard from the entire uh, text message group. I have one more that I'm saving for later that I think kind of sums up a lot of people's thoughts. Steven, you go first. How did you see this? Where? What was your number? How many games will – how many regular season games will Ohio State play in 2020 because of the COVID-19
0: pandemic? I said nine. They're going to play – all all their conference games they are not going to play, play any non-conference games. That's just ridiculous. For the, all sakes and purposes, you know where Oregon is, that area is basically square one for how COVID ended up in the, this country anyway. And I know it's not the hot spot right now, but that's not even something worth trying – the way things are looking right now, it doesn't even look like something that's going to be worth trying. While as we've already kind of talked about when it comes to this conference, everything's pretty regional to the point where you can kind of trust it a little bit. Some of these places are driving distance. So you don't necessarily have to worry about getting on a plane and all the extra things that may come with that. So I, I would, I'm, gonna mark it down that they're gonna play all nine of their conference games and then they'll play obviously the conference championship game and then with the playoff you probably can be a little bit more controlling there because it is a neutral environment where you probably can't put the players in a bubble
1: now sorry i just want to clarify do you think the so you think it'll just be the nine current this is what yeah. was asked for the question you think it'll be the nine conference games that are currently That'll, scheduled yes because there obviously is People have to get on planes in order to
0: play that kind of schedule. Well, for most of these games, though, you can—they're driving distance is what I'm saying.
2: But I mean, you got—I mean, if you can't play a Big Ten schedule and tell Nebraska and Rutgers, sorry, you're too far away, right? I mean, if you're doing well in Penn State and Maryland too. I mean, it's else. yeah. So like a
1: third of, and really Minnesota. So you really got like a third of this conference is pretty spread out, um, or more than a third. And even the ones that aren't, you know, teams could bust to games now. They, one of the reasons why they spend the money, I think, to make these flights is because of how much time it would take. You know, can you imagine even just, you know, the Ohio state to Michigan or Michigan state situation, it's a very quick flight and guys can get off a plane and you can go back to steady and go back to doing whatever you need to do. You do all your walkthroughs and stuff. If you start putting teams on a bus for four, five, six, eight hours at a time, um, I don't know how that's going to – I don't know how that's going to go over with the players, the modern players, frankly. They're not going to do that.
2: I mean there's no, no part of it that, that – a six-hour bus ride is not more safe than a two-hour flight. Correct.
1: Even if you split it up onto other buses, multiple buses, um, it, it's still a closed air system. It's just not going to work. It, it's going to be – that's, that's one of the things that they brought up as being a, a big potential here is you get one guy who has COVID-19 and put him on a bus with other people. Now, all of a sudden, everybody has to quarantine, even if they weren't infected, because now they've been exposed to it. And I think that's really the nightmare scenario for a lot of people that is, is the domino effect of how seasons get canceled is because of just one guy and, and the, the fear of it. And now, all of a sudden, you've got to cancel a game.
0: I mean, that can happen on a plane, too, where one guy has right. it and they're all sitting on the plane. So that's not. That's,
2: that's the whole thing. Right. Right. So That's the whole thing. One guy, super spreader environment, and one person who's positive. Right. So, yeah. Yes, I agree.
0: I'm going to stick with the nine conference games for a regular season.
1: And do you, do you, do you, and we didn't, again, didn't ask this question, but I'm just curious, like, do you then see it just rolling right into a usual postseason at that time? Do you think the,
0: I, and, think, let, I, I, think, I the, think, I think conference championship games can be played because it's neutral. And like I said, I think maybe you can do more of a bubble situation because it is a neutral side for both, for both people. But then, yes, I know. I, I think the only bowl games that get played are whoever makes the playoff this year.
1: Gotcha. Um,
2: Doug. So I've, been keep, I've been keeping notes as we go. I have 12 points. I still have, would like to make on this podcast about all this stuff. So should I make all 12, 12 in 40. a row right now? I mean, maybe you can prioritize the ones I, that absolutely need to be made. Should we make it bonus content? People who want to come stand in my driveway and I'll shout the other seven points that I don't Saturday's get. Saturday's
0: podcast. Pod, yeah, Saturday's podcast. You'll do four here and then Saturday's podcast can be yeah. another eight points. That would maybe. be because
2: we did a Saturday podcast bonus yeah. two weeks ago. We didn't do it this week. But if the Saturday bonus podcast is live in my driveway. Uh, for tech subscribers. I like that idea.
0: Dave Chabelle did a stand-up comedy where everybody was six feet apart, so why can't you?
2: Yeah. Plus, yeah, I, I have no friends, so I need people to come hang out in my driveway, as we've discussed. Well, first of all, not in your
1: driveway, across the street. First of all, you're loud enough. And secondly, why get them any closer than you need to be in these days and times, right? That's I, um, uh, Social distancing has no effect on me because
2: of my voice. That's
1: true. Um, I would say that I obviously turned this podcast over to the, the text answers to kind of get their voice in and that probably moved some of the discussion along so if there are points that you want to make
2: by all means go ahead and make them and then give your answer all right i'll get my answer first my answer is eight my answer is conference games only i will be very very surprised at this point if the oregon game is played i think they could swing something where you match up like you, you readjust. I don't think they have to be beholden to the schedules as they stand, meaning not only might they cancel games, they could add games. So I think maybe if stuff starts falling apart and it's like we're only going to play conference games, but the Big Ten has an agreement with the Mac, we've worked with the Mac over the years, we're going to rejigger it and we're going to have a weekend where every Big Ten team plays a Mac team. And like that week, the Big Ten will pay for the testing for the Mac players. That I think that's a consideration here that has been brought up in a lot of stories that the richest programs can afford to test more frequently than other programs. But it's like, hey, we'll ramp up Mac testing this week to make sure everybody's good when they play the Big Ten. I could see something like that that maybe brings you to ten. I'm going to say eight because I'm going to say conference games with the caveat that like one gets messed up. You want to put your name on one? No, no, no. Just like, like, just like in the middle of the season, and I just think it might happen. I think you could have a world where not everybody in the Big Ten plays the same number of games.
1: I absolutely think that's possible.
2: Because it's yeah. like, if there's a, if all of a sudden there's an outbreak at Ohio State and Ohio State has to postpone or cancel its game with Nebraska, but Penn State and Maryland are both fine that week. Well, why wouldn't Penn State and Maryland play? And then I also have read things where people said maybe – I think the athletic minor reported maybe you'd move back conference championship weekend a week to allow a makeup week of like, hey, we tried to play six weeks ago and and we had too many positive tests. Let's try now. I think that could make sense. But my answer is planning for the nine and then going wrong one week for Ohio State. And maybe you wind up – Penn State plays nine games. Michigan plays seven Michigan State plays eight, Ohio State plays eight, whatever. And then, I mean, if you go back in the history books, that you have years where that happened. Not because of COVID, but just because right. in the 50s, they didn't care as much about this stuff. So you just figure it out. And maybe it's not exactly fair, but you go by winning percentage or whatever, head-to-head, and you have a tiebreaker, and that's how you figure out your conference champions and then I do think you can play conference championship weekend. And I would maybe guess we have an eight, an eight team playoff. Cause I think Steven's point of no bowl games makes sense. So, cause like why play a meaningless game?
0: Yeah. It's add, add more to the fact that you could spread it even more. and go you all over the country. game. Yeah.
2: I think that is very smart. So then why not open it up to eight? So we add four more teams who get in the playoff. Cause otherwise those four teams aren't going anywhere. That way, if the season was a little hinky, somebody didn't make their conference championship game because they had two games that were canceled, but they could still make it as a wild card. In a weird season, that gives you a little wiggle room. So my guess right now is eight Ohio State games, a conference championship, and then an eight-team playoff. And now my with other a- 11 points. Go ahead. One is the special Mac idea. So I said that. Could you have a special thing with the Mac? One is, do we remember... At the beginning of this, when we were talking about what if the Pac-12 can't play, what if Rutgers can't play because I was COVID started yeah. in Washington State and New York City, and everybody was like, well, the SEC is playing no matter what. And now it's like, are they? Right. Have you well, seen the all- numbers in South Carolina?
1: And, and New York and Connecticut right now have – a policy. I can't remember if this extends to New Jersey or not, but like you I think from it does. certain from certain yeah. areas. I think I think you're right. And from certain areas that are hotspots right now, you can't go in, or you have to quarantine, right? So yeah. the next thing that flares up, if that if there happens to be a Big Ten team there and they're about to play at Rutgers the next week, if there's a big flare up in Central Illinois and my all my buddies and family back there, and Illinois is about to play at Rutgers, all of a sudden Illinois can't
2: get off a plane in New Jersey. But the idea that at the start of this, like the craziest football part of the country wasn't hit. And everybody was sort of like, well, you know, why does Alabama care what's happening in Washington state? They're playing football. And now that's the part of the country that's hit. Now, Texas, football crazy Texas has been hit. So some of the, it, it just moves so much. Just when you think you're part of the country or your school is safe, In a month, it might be the opposite. So that is a little, it's not ironic, but it's just like, be careful. Don't be throwing stones because we, you know, it can turn back on you in the snap of a finger if you're not careful. Um, I think the fan discussion is so far behind the playing game discussion. I just think it's very, very possible, as you said right off the bat, Nathan, I just think we might have no fans. That we're reaching the point that, It seems harder now than a month ago to think about, well, there even be games. But like the whole discussion of, well, will there be 50,000 fans in Ohio Stadium or 40 or 25 or whatever? That seems much, much more difficult to me than playing, trying to have the bubble around the team. So I just think that is such a secondary discussion right now. I think all the focus is on playing the games at all. And I just think you can't, the, the fans are just totally a bonus to me at that point. Is that guy, are you guys more optimistic about fans than that? Or is that how you're viewing it?
0: No, I'm leaning towards the no fans at this point. Because it's extra bodies that you have to now take into a, account when you're, you know, with something that's a pandemic. So I'm at the point, there's probably not going to be fans. And it's just going to be players, anybody who's essential to a, a college football game at this point.
1: I think it's more likely that there are zero fans than there are 50,000 in Ohio Stadium. I, I'm, I'm really skeptical you get to that number.
0: I am all the way out of any chance of there being anywhere near 50,000. Yeah, that's not even.
2: My, one of point number six, the underlying thing that I still don't know the answer to. Are the players, the athletes, the college athletes who are testing positive? Are they getting coronavirus from working out with their teammates? Or are they getting coronavirus by living life and they are testing positive only because they are being tested when so many other people their age are not being tested? And I think that is a super important distinction that I still don't know the answer to. Yeah. But I know Sports Illustrated's story about LSU and an outbreak there is related to people going to bars. I know that Kansas State a New York Times story about Kansas State shutting down workouts, it's because the county in which Kansas State exists has had much more movement of people being out and about. They previously were graded an a On staying home, now they're being graded as an F on staying home. So everybody in that county just decided to go out, and then there was an outbreak among Kansas State players. So, like, Kansas State shuts down workouts, but I don't know that anybody is saying anybody's getting it from working out. I think these college kids who are getting it are getting it from going to bars, and they're spreading it at the bars.
0: I'm pretty – that – I'm going to lean that way. I'm not going to, obviously, I'm not going to put my complete thing because I'm not a doctor and I don't know that. But these are, like you, these are still 20 and 21-year-old kids. So, so yeah, more and, than and, likely, if they're in a city where things are starting to open up, they're going out too.
2: So, but And that goes back to the Buckeye Pledge. But then, because the question is, if you're socially distanced in your workout, we know at Ohio State, they're only doing groups of 10. You're socially distanced. Everything's sanitized. How dangerous is that? that seems like gyms are open. Gyms are open. I'd rather go work out at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center than my gym. I'm paying my gym membership. I wouldn't go within a thousand yards of my gym right now. I don't trust my gym to keep me safe. No offense to my gym, but I would at the Woody. There's so much at stake. So like that is just a baseline fundamental part of this. That is being a college athlete dangerous. Right now, is it more dangerous to be a college athlete than it is to be a college student who doesn't play a sport? But, but or let's also are be, they just being tested more?
1: But let's also be clear, what what's happening right now is not football practice. It's individual workouts. No, I, it's, and, and I get that.
2: I get that. But, and but that, that but will that's change the dynamic. Fo- of course. But right now, people are freaking out right now because of positive athlete tests. Right. But and I don't know the answer. Has any reporter or any doctor answered the question? Did they get it because yeah. they're athletes? They're at the bars. They're the The, I think the, the, the only difference between is a house yeah. party. They're yeah. hanging out together. As they, if there were no workouts right now. But we knew a lot of Ohio State got kids. A lot of Ohio State players. They're not kids. They're they're men. Those players were in Columbus already. The Woody is now open to them to work out. But let's say there were no voluntary workouts right now. And
0: they were just here.
2: They could still hang out in apartments together. They Mm -hmm. could still go to bars together, but they wouldn't be getting tested.
0: So the only difference between them and some random other college student is that someone has taken a swab and tested them. So we know for sure they
2: have it. So what's the discussion then? Is the discussion that college sports is extra dangerous right now? And Nathan, of course. And that's what we're going to have to find out once they start getting together. But that's not what people are freaking out about right now. People are freaking out about the number of positive tests. But I, I am not at all convinced that the positive tests had anything to do with being an athlete. Do you guys know what I'm saying there?
1: No, I, I, I do understand. You. Yeah. So I, I posed the question to Chris Crowdaville, and again, because the because he takes more of like a ten thousand foot view of this, he doesn't he doesn't know. The circumstances under which Clemson and LSU and Kansas State players tested positive. I think what the answer is probably right now that it's been more that they were bringing it because it's these tests are happening before they return to workouts. The same as Ohio State players had to be tested before they return to workouts. But, Those but were now
2: also while they're working out. Yes.
1: Okay, yeah. But the first round, but the first round was when they returned to workouts from either yes. being on campus but not using. Uh, Uh, assumedly not using university facilities or being away and then coming back to campus so in those situations obviously they they acquired it but we're
2: past that we're 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 three weeks into
1: being back now all right but then but then my point is that if you have if if someone has i think the reason these are getting shut down is because once you have a certain saturation of positive tests in your player um in your populate your player population then even if you're even if you are practicing distancing, et cetera, et cetera, once it's been introduced into the group like that, I think there is – seen as an inherent risk of spreading it because you know it's in there. You know it's within but your body. But spreading
0: population. it how? Yeah, By somebody what had to, Somebody had to bring it in. It's,
2: so. so. But we get it. Somebody has it, so they shutting – But you don't shutting... know, but,
1: until, but unless you shut things down and let this go for two weeks and do the, the quarantining, you don't know who has it for
2: sure and who doesn't. No, but – so this is what I don't want to do on this podcast. I don't want to talk in circles. Here's my point. Players test positive. Kansas State didn't just isolate the players who tested positive. They shut down workouts. So you te- you isolate the, player, the players who are positive. But are they spreading it by lifting weights socially distanced in a sanitized facility? Because when you're shutting down the workouts, you can't guarantee that you're shutting down hanging out at an apartment. hmm or go into a bar, and that is where we know people are spreading it. Every story you read right now around the country, not athletes, but people, they're spreading it at bars. Texas just shut down their bars. So that's the thing that, like, I don't –
1: I I guess here's the best way. When I asked Chris Cradwell that question, his response was this – I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing. This this essentially puts a spotlight back on the fact that you have to scrutinize every – aspect of a player's life in terms of whether they're being diligent about stopping the spread of this virus
2: which i agree so then to me why not isolate the positive players of course they they quarantine for two weeks but you could continue the workouts and say don't like you double down now don't go to the stinking bars which is why they had to sign a buckeye pledge right i get the buckeye pledge i just don't think they had to sign shouldn't have had to sign a document don't go to the bars. That is how you are getting it. You are probably not getting it by lifting weights 12 feet away from your teammate. But that is the reaction. So that's the thing. And again, in the end, I don't think, and this is my, I I read about this stuff constantly. And you reported on it, Nathan, I didn't. My uh, assumption just as a reader, I don't really think they're getting it because they're athletes. I think they're getting it because they're 20. And they're finding out they have it because they're athletes. And that is different. That is a different deal. And like, that is not how people are talking about it. And that is not how people are reporting it. They are reporting it like it's a college sports issue. And I don't think it is. It's a societal issue. And, and we, if you're at a bar with 300 people and 100 of them are football players, and 25 of those hundred football players test positive, well, that means 50 of the 200 college students who aren't football players also would test positive if they would be tested, which they're not being tested. I think the best
1: way to answer it is that right now you're correct. I think that it's 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 happening outside the programs. And then, yes, that is a response that's happening, that that it's it's societal is where they're getting it, not in terms of athletics. The threat isn't from what's happening in terms of athletic activities right now. In August, it's both. Yes, probably. In August, it's societal when you especially once you start bringing back the entire campus and then it's you're breathing in the guy's face right across from you. If you're on the defensive line or offensive line. Um, and when you're, you're matched up as a DB and a wide receiver, you guys are whatever. Like that's where there's, there's droplets of sweat. There's perspiration. There's, there's spit and, and breath and whatever. That's where they see, uh, um, Scott Frank, the, um, the epidemiologist I talked to last week, that's where he, that's why he's still so pessimistic because it's the combination of those two factors coming together of you. He he feels like the societal issue is a bat is a big one. And then also how do you really protect players from giving it to each other once they have, once they start going to full contact football, and that changes the dynamic.
2: And I think the way you protect them is by saying, don't go to a fricking bar. You get tested every day. If you have symptoms, you don't go to practice. If you test positive, of course you self isolate and that we are going to be in a situation where if anybody has it, we're gonna give it to each other. So we, the only way we can practice is basically by guaranteeing nobody has it. And we're not putting you in a bubble but you have to put yourself in your own bubble. Now you still could get it, but that's the way you can do it. I don't think anybody can pretend that you're not gonna swap spit at football practice, that you're not gonna breathe on each other you're gonna give it to people if you have it. The only hope is that you can you can stop Ooh. the people from who have it from practicing. Otherwise you're dead. But that's how. And that you, you it's not a bubble, it's not a bubble of isolation, it's a bubble of responsibility. And it's a bubble of responsibility to your teammates. And then if you're gonna hang out in an apartment, you wear a mask and you socially distance in the apartment. You don't go to bars. If you go to class, listen, nobody at class is trying to get it. If you wear a mask at class and you sit socially distanced in class, the whole world is not shut down right now. The issue is not that people are out, is that people are out irresponsibly. So if you can make a bubble of responsibility, I don't think you have to make a bubble of isolation. And then that's how you can play football. So I don't think it's impossible. These are the fits and starts of it right now. I just think, I don't. I think it's being reported on as if they got it while they were playing
0: football and that's probably not the case.
2: Isn't that what you guys feel like the 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 vibe yeah. is? Being a college it, yeah. athlete is giving it, you coronavirus. It
0: feels like they got they got back on campus and had a few, you know, voluntary workouts within the parameters set and all of a sudden all these guys are testing positive and we're not taking into account that they're 20 they're in, they're in their 20s as well and probably some of these kids are doing what most 20-year-olds do.
1: It's not the way that I read it in a lot of cases because I understood that these tests were happening as the prerequisite to restarting the workouts, at least those first ones. However, I understand your perspective of, yes, it's probably how a lot of people are reading it because they don't maybe have that um, that knowledge already.
2: So I'll, I'll go quickly through my other stuff. We have to be there, bubble. They can't isolate the college players like you think you can isolate the NFL. Also, I don't think there's as much of a difference as some people think because, yeah, 20 year olds might go to a bar. You also, who, who likes to go to a bar? Millionaires. So, like, I get it. You think every NFL guy is going to be totally responsible about not going to a bar? For real? And they're not living, they're not, go, they're playing in their cities. They're not going to, they're not going to Orlando for the NFL season. Major League <laughs> Baseball's not going to Orlando. You think every Major League Baseball player, none of them are going to go out? None. Zero?
0: Is Ohio, is Ohio State going to set up an anonymous hotline for you to tell your teammates? If they... but, <laughs>
2: but it's not just – but, like, to think, that, uh, to think that college is that much more difficult than the NFL, I just don't think is right. Because I think it's human behavior, whether you're 20 and you're young or you're 30 and you're rich, you want to go out. I don't want to go out because I'm 40 and not rich. There's nothing for me out there. So I'm good. But that's not the regular population. So I, I think that is a – that's a mistaken assumption by by experts who view it that way. This is I the don't main want, thing oh, – go ahead.
1: Well, go ahead. I don't want to go too far down this line, but I just want to say – I want to make sure I understand what you're saying here. Like, So but when this comes back in August, I mean, do you think it's as easy as – you know, one? if one player doesn't follow that and they get exposed and then now you, that triggers that domino effect – that I'm talking was talking about before where now you have to quarantine everybody or now it spreads. Now he accidentally gives it to several guys and they have to get quarantined for a while. Like, so wh- why then are you still optimistic that the season happens
2: in you some did, form? You do daily testing. You tell everybody, if you feel one drop of feeling sick, um, you don't come. You have to be, you have to be responsible to your teammates. Don't put yourself in a situation to get it. If you feel the little least bit off, don't come to practice, and we test you every day. That's how. So, right, I mean, if somebody slips up, but hopefully if somebody slips up, you catch it in them before they get to practice, right? And I don't know right. how soon you test positive, but if you did go to the bar the night before and now we test you in the morning, I don't know if that test is going to catch it or not. But like, but that's if you
0: happening. test every day within that week, you'll find out at well, the
1: but, but now we're starting to talk about a really com- – testing is a big part of this because there aren't – just all, tests aren't infinite right now for COVID-19. So that's an issue. And then there's also the timing of the test is an issue because if you test somebody early in the week, they may not have developed enough to show up as a positive. You get some false negatives that way. It'll, it, you're better off waiting until as long as possible right before the game or right before the next contact is going to be. But then it's sometimes if you – I talk to – this is what my, the guy from Case Westerns, uh, Scott Frank, said. You test – you, 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 know, you go to an away game. You go to Penn State or, or Oregon or wherever, and now a guy tests positive on the morning of the game or the night before. Well, now he's exposed to everybody else on that travel, and he has – also, how do you get him home now? Because he's supposed to be isolated, and you, okay, how do you so get him home? Okay, let's
2: do this. All right, I'll stop talking for a second. So is your answer zero? No. Because if, like, if, 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 we're I'm gonna just saying play what the, I'm just, I
1: was just giving the other, I was just giving that fact
2: But if you're going to play, if that's what, if that's the game we're playing, then the answer it's is gonna zero. It's going to be zero. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what the answer is then? The answer is zero for society. If that's the right. game we're playing, the answer is zero for everything. So, like, it's like, well, how can you? It's like, because I think personal responsibility, caution, if you feel sick at all, don't come, and constant testing. And then the thing that's so big in the, in the society is contact tracing. A football team is built in contact tracing. It's like, well, right. who are you with? It's You're like, totally. oh, I was with my team. So that there's a, all the best practices that we would want to apply to society to stop the spread. Exists in this opportunity for a sports team. Regular testing and who are you with? That's how you beat it. That's what's in place. So what's your answer? And then I'll, I'll cycle back at the end to my last point.
1: So my answer, I actually came up with the same one you did, an eight. Um, but it's kind of a pessimistic eight. I almost said six. I almost said that they are going to do division only schedules or do or, or manipulate it in some way so that nobody has to get on a plane. But that, I, I tried not to be overly influenced by, by one scientist I talked to this week, um, or, and not that he was the only one I've been listening to and reading and I, watching other things too. But his point about the travel was really kind of weighing on me, and that, that almost influenced me to be even more pessimistic than I was.
2: I, I think it's a I ulti- stupid point by that doctor. No offense. Thanks for your time. But why is it, what's his answer? Why is a plane that much worse than a bus? And who thinks – they are gonna bus around the country. To well, walk nobody these thinks. Games. I, obviously, I, I,
1: nobody th- thinks they're gonna bus to the to the long distance games. But, but and this but, point was I, on a bus. But on a bus, you could you could you could take multiple buses in a way that you can't take. Does he understand
2: planes. what a charter plane is, and that Ohio State could put their team on a plane and like not bring as many of the side people and distance and that kind of thing? I I, I think that's an odd point. That to like busing is okay because you can distance on a bus. They'll take an extra plane. I mean, whatever. Ohio State has money up their butts. It's not, and I know everybody's not like. But that. he's also I,
1: not answering only from Ohio State's perspective. He's answering from the entirety of college football's perspective too.
2: But but like the idea of if they're not they're not flying coach on Southwest with us, which by the way, people all over the country are doing right now. Right. Yeah. I, I think that if if that is what you're hanging your answer on, I disagree with that. Not you, but any if if like you can't play football because you can't get on a plane. I don't think they understand how professional. Again, they're in a bubble more than anybody else who's on a plane. So then you must think that there's going to be no plane travel in America in the fall. Well, I, I think I that's a
1: mis... I can't speak to his perspective, but that may be factoring into how he answered that
2: question. Okay, so keep going. But you are hanging part of your point on buses over planes? No, I, I'm saying that I'm, I'm factoring in the,
1: into my answer the concept that travel restrictions may be one reason why they only end up playing eight games. Okay. Which, which obviously means the, the uh, Oregon game. I also think it could mean something like the Buffalo game also not getting played. I mean, I think the non-conference games just don't get played. So then now within the conference, how do you match people up? You probably are still going to try to play all your division games. And then do you manipulate the crossover games in some way? Do you just will, – will things have cleared up to the point but that you, you have, can play the crossover games?
2: Is, Ohio State's in the middle of the conference. Rutgers isn't close to anybody. And neither is Nebraska. So it's like you can only manipulate so far. Like there's not a team. There's not a a crossover team that Nebraska is close to. And there isn't that's not and neither is Rutgers. So like that, that also only takes you so far. Right.
1: So anyway, (laughs) but how would they manipulate
2: it? So what's how would they manipulate it?
1: I think, as you said before, I think there are teams that, that may not play the same amount of games as
2: other teams. So that Rutgers maybe would play division only, but Ohio State might be able to play like Purdue or Illinois or somebody like that.
1: Correct. Or Michigan, Michigan State. Like those kinds of games maybe would probably still be on the table. But I do think, I think it's going to be potentially very difficult for those teams that are on the, polar ends of this conference. Um, and, 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 New, and New Jersey's situation is different than Minnesota's situation and Michigan's situation and Iowa's situation. Um, I've got a friend in Iowa, and up until very recently, um, that I talk to every week pretty much, and every, until very recently, they were not seeing a lot of effect from this, and then it started to swell. So um, obviously still some moving parts here. But I came up with eight because I think they'll play the division games, and then I think they will play at least – They'll get at least two of the crossover games in. I just, I'm not convinced that this season's going to unfold without some sort of stoppage or pause or interruption of some kind, or that they'll have to manipulate it on the fly a little bit. And it, that may not be something that happens across, across the conference, but there may be a thing where Rutgers has to postpone a game, uh, Nebraska has to postpone a game, or they have to come up with. A solution, a creative solution, I don't know. But I don't think they're going to play any of the non-conference games. The one caveat maybe being, as you kind of said before, the Mac idea. And and obviously Ohio State already has one scheduled. You could maybe work something out, figuring out how to get that Bowling Green game played and similar games across the Big Ten. But eight is about as far as I can go. And I I had to kind of talk myself out of – zero was probably going to be – was like my second most likely answer. And not because of anything having to do with college sports, but because of what you're saying, that society at large that we may just have to, at this point, at that point, have to
2: shut it all down again for a while. So, I mean, again, like if it was like, well, if the season started tomorrow, then I think it might be zero. So part of what I'm I'm pinning this on is like, you know, last time it kind of got bad, we adjusted. Right. And if people don't adjust now, then we're just all society is going to be messed up for a while if people don't stop going out socially, if people don't wear masks, if people don't socially distance, then this is just the reality and it's not just gonna be college football. So here's, here's my, it's, it's two points, there's like five points within one point and then one point within another. I'll try to say this very quickly. I follow a lot of different people and a lot of different groups on Twitter. I really don't think anybody knows what they're talking about with this and the different groups of people don't know what they're talking about in different ways there's the medical community that doesn't understand football, which is fine. And we appreciate their knowledge and their expertise. And you have to listen to them in society. But when they start to try to implement their the thoughts about the virus exactly into the the, the, the mold of college football, I just think they get it wrong sometimes. For instance, buses versus planes, whatever. Like, that's that's not really what it's about to me. So I think sometimes, and then also... Of course, the scientific people are going to be more pessimistic because you have to go by the science, right? So, of course, of course, they're saying those things. But I think some of the scientific stuff, if you have to try to apply it into a, in a sports way, and I think sometimes it's hard to talk to scientific people who can apply it correctly. That does not mean don't listen to them. But that does mean they are their view as it relates to sports is not the end-all be-all. Then there's the football people. When, when people like Pete Thamel are talking nationally to ADs and coaches, they don't know what they're saying. They don't know anything. And they have swung pessimistic. If you talk to them a month ago, they were like, yeah, 12 games. Now they're like, oh, I don't think – got to play in the spring. They react to the moment because they don't know what the heck is going on. I'm not blaming them, but I'm saying if you read a story that says, well, you know, I talked to 20 – Pete's kind of a good reporter who will talk to 20 different – ADs and coaches, what they say is probably wrong because they don't know anything because they are reacting in the moment and they don't understand how this virus works long term, how what testing now means for results two weeks from now. They swing too much back and forth with the breeze. Don't listen to them. And then the third component of people are like the activists who are now, I've seen people saying, the college football players are guinea pigs for stu- the student population at large they're being taken advantage of this is a systemic issue with college sports and like i agree with some of that and i think that they should have a union and i don't think they should have sh- signed a piece of paper without representation they're not guinea pigs okay they're not they're not guinea pigs and i get being on that end of the 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 the, the debate you're you're very pro athlete To the point of someone, I I think a college football writer in North Carolina today wrote, like, shut it down. They're testing positive, shut it down. That, I think, is totally wrong as well. It doesn't mean you you can't ignore the health repercussions for college athletes. But I think, like, hey, some college kids went to bars and then tested positive because they were football players. Shut down the sport. It's over. I think is bonkers right now. So there are a lot there's a lot of extremism on a lot both ends, and there's a lot of people who just don't have the full picture. So it's really hard, but I get frustrated by all of them because I think you can read one thing and then read another and then read another and come up with three totally different views, but all those people only have a third or two-thirds of the picture as they give their opinion. And in the end, this is the main thing we have to keep in mind that I think is, I guess it's stated and people know this, but what we are dealing with in college sports is not a health issue. It's not. Because really right now, when you hear people talk about this, are they talking about we're worried a player is going to die? I know I talked to Ramogi Huma, who is like the, the, the leader of the union push for college athletes and has been for 15 years. That's what he told me. That's what he's worried about. I don't think that's what the average person is worried about, right? Do you guys think that when they hear positive tests for college football players, do you think they think, "Oh my God, a player might die"?
1: That is, I don't think what the average person thinks. That is what the uh, the guy from Case Western and I talked to last week. That was one of his primary concerns was that even as healthy as these guys are, there's enough people with compromised immune systems or whatever that somebody's going to die.
2: So, of course, I mean, this is the hard thing when we talk about sports and society at the same time. Society always matters more, but you can't ignore sports because just when you think sports is, is silly, sports plays an important role, like with the change in the, con- the Confederate flag on the Mississippi State flag. The issue of competitive balance is different than the issue of health. Everybody else in the country, we're talking about, we don't want people to die. We don't want people to have long lasting health effects. And some people are saying, well, what's the big deal if young people get it? Most of them are going to be fine. And I don't agree with that. But, like, if that's your view, that's a health view. That can't be the view for college football because for college football, we're not worried, really. The first issue is not are they going to be healthy. The first issue is they're out for two weeks, and it throws off the competitive balance of the season. So what we're trying to achieve with the college football season is not nobody dies. Because of course you're, but that really, you're trying to achieve, nobody gets it. You're trying to achieve, you maintain competitive balance. Because everybody else in the world, if you get it and you think, oh man, I got an asymptomatic test, I feel fine, but I'm positive, I have to stay home from work for two weeks. That's not a big deal. If that happens to a college football player, that's a huge deal. So it is a completely different discussion. We're not just trying to have, a random collection of games, if you can't maintain some level of competitive balance to the season, as much as we're saying, maybe teams play a different number of games, there's no point. And you can't have competitive balance. If you have a million positive tests, even if nobody really gets sick, the positive tests themselves will kill the season, even if there aren't any long-term health consequences. So in every other part of life, The issue with COVID-19 is health consequences. For sports, it's it's, are you a healthy person who tests positive? So we have to keep that in mind, which means the bubble has to be tighter. And so since they're not going to be in a bubble, you can't put college students in a bubble. We have to be their bubble. Don't go to a bar and give an Ohio State football player coronavirus. Not because there's gonna be long-term health consequences for him because of course we're worried about that. But because if you give him coronavirus at the bar, he can't play against Michigan State. So we have to be their bubble. And our bubble has to be tighter because our goal is different. It's not health, it's not, not getting it. Because you can get it if you're 20 and not have health consequences. You might, you don't wanna spin that wheel but even if every other part of your life is fine, it's gonna screw up the football season and that's what people are worried about. So I think we have to keep that idea in mind. It's a much tougher threshold because it's not getting sick, it's testing positive, which aren't exactly the same things. So that's what asymptomatic testing does to, to beat the disease as a society. We all need to be like college football teams. We need to mimic college football teams. So I don't think it's the actions of the football players. I think it's that we aren't being tested like football players. I wish we all were. And we'd all be testing positive at the rate they are. But then we'd be learning from it. We'd be adjusting our behavior as a result. And so I think what's happening in college football in a perverse way is good. But they have to stop going to bars. They have to wear their masks. And I just don't think they're giving it to each other by lifting weights. But they might give it to each other by practicing on a field in August which means they have to really have it locked down by then. But I think in the meantime, this might be learning. It might be learning how to do this best. And I think it might all work out okay. But when I read someone say, shut it down right now, I just think your view is off. And I think, I think almost everybody's view is off, including mine right now. I'm not 100% right. I, I might not even be 50% right. But I think I think that holds true for almost everybody in trying to discuss this because it's super complicated and it changes every week.
1: And, and I can't remember if I already said this, but when I talked to Chris Cradaville, the Nebraska doctor who heads the task force, I might have said this to you, Doug, before we got on uh, the mics. Um, he said, hey, if you call me back in a month, I may have very specific answers for all of these uncertain questions. But right now, there's still a lot of uncertainty. So even the the foremost experts hopefully are saying in the in the correct times that they don't have the actual answers yet. Those are, they're, they're, they're working on them. There's a lot of research going on. There's a lot of, um, a lot of people working really hard on coming up with these answers, coming up with solutions to specific problems around this, but they don't have them yet. And so I think if we were to have this, we'll, we'll look, we don't have to wait till the end of the season, obviously, to look back on this one some, in some ways. Like we may know um, within, a few weeks because Gene Smith had said it was going to be sometime maybe early July. I've seen other 80s come out and say late July as far as when they need to have an answer to the scheduling issue. So we may have an answer pretty soon on what this is shaping up to be. Obviously we won't know till the end of the season exactly how many games it was, but the, the answers are still developing. And there, and as as we said, that was kind of the premise of this whole thing. People were very optimistic at the beginning of June. We're not even out of June yet. And the pessimism has swung, but, by the end of July, we may be looking at a more optimistic situation.
2: And I think swung too much. Do you guys think it swung too pessimistic, or do you get it, that this has been – don't you feel like it's gotten – again, you can read certain things, and it feels very pessimistic?
0: It swung too pessimistic, but you almost expected it to happen the moment they started coming out and saying that players were testing positive.
2: Yeah, it,
1: this the, the, some of this should have been inevitable. Um, I think I even used that word in what I wrote, that there was inevitably – Players returned to campus from not being isolated, not being quarantined, even if even if most of your team is following the rules, not everybody is. And inevitably, college at college students who happen to be athletes started testing positive for covid-19. Because
2: here's here's the thing I just want to say in the end, I do not want to sound at all like anti-science. I would listen to every doctor and every scientist out there. But my point is the colleges have. All that the scientists and doctors are telling us right now is be careful, social distance and wear a mask. That's what they're telling us. They are not telling everybody stay in your house for three months, don't leave your house. They're saying practice social distancing and wear a mask. And that is what the college football teams are doing. And they're still having positives come up. So that's the thing. It's like, listen to the doctors and do what they say, which when it comes to working out right now is what the colleges are doing. And they're still having positive tests because I think in some circumstances, the kids away from it are not doing it. But I do think it could be very different two months from now. I think this is a learning process. And I think it, you can't do it. It's not about putting players' lives at risk to learn. It's about everybody doing their best and learning from their mistakes. And I do not take any positive tests lightly or take it for granted. Um, but I think I think those kids would have tested positive when they were work, whether they were working out or not. And I just think if you say right now, that's it, shut it down. I think there are some people, and I've talked to a couple of them, who a month ago were certain it was going to be 12 games and now think there's going to be zero. And I think you were equally wrong both times. I think you were naive a month ago to think everything was going to be fine. And I think you're overly pessimistic now to think there's going to be zero.
1: There's a whole separate discussion of this that I think goes down the road of specifically what it means for Ohio state. If there isn't a football season this fall, I don't think today is the day to go into that. Uh, we've gone pretty long already. Uh, there was a response from our our buddy, Charlie in the seven, seven, three, that kind of uh, his answer to the, the market on Monday question, I thought was going to kind of encapsulate that we'll come back to that because I think if it's too early, I think maybe to, to go down that road, but we've got some other podcasts coming up where maybe that will fit. So, um, Anybody else want a last word before we shove off? We had um, all of us essentially saying the same thing. Um, eight or nine games based around the conference season, which was also a really popular answer among our uh, our fan base or our uh, our I guess they're our fan base, but our our texters. Um, any last words?
2: My daughter has been making me do the New York Times crossword puzzles at night. Now she decided that she likes to do that. We can only do the early in the week ones. Um, because they're so hard, and inevitably halfway through the puzzle, I start yelling, and I yell that it feels like homework. Um, I hope this didn't feel like homework. We're not going to go down this road again very much. I know we went super long, but like this is it. So if you're still around and you're hearing this, you know we're going to get back to playing Michigan and Heisman Trophy conversations and recruiting and all that kind of stuff. We just had to do this one time, and I, and I hope it gave a tiny glimpse, not into the answers, but into the discussion, right, which is the whole point. We don't have the answers, but apparently, you guys, as people in the world, say this discussion is happening, so I, I hope we added to that a little bit.
0: I don't have an analogy to, I guess, you know, kind of segue into it, but yeah, I agree with Doug.
1: I was going to give you an opportunity to take a shot at me a cheap shot, a low-hanging fruit shot, like I did earlier. Do you have one?
0: No, I I look down on people who do that, like I do when we are standing in the same room.
2: It is not the way of the Force to take cheap shots. (laughs) (laughs) Young Skywalker will refrain and stand.
0: This is is not the pettiness you're looking for.
2: And you said, I look down on people like that,
1: which left open the door for yet another shot of low-hanging fruit, and I'm not going to take it. I'm going to walk away yeah. and come back to pod another day. Good for so you. join us, join us five days a week on Buckeye talk. That was market down Monday. And that was Buckeye talk.